And the driver of strategy is insights. And the only place, the best place to get insights is to go out in the field and meet the person that you're trying to do business with, the target. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Well, welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast, branding and brand strategizing especially in the area of social media, what you need to do. And one specific theme that we want to look at is what would you do if you share an, a name of a, of a famous person, a celebrity, whether good or bad. And my expert here as a brand strategist, consultant, blogger, speaker on international marketing and founder of Duffy Agency, an international branding agency, Sean Duffy. Welcome to the podcast show. Thanks, Bernard. Sean, it's a pleasure to host you. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we're able to connect. Let's get into the background of Sean Daffy. My background, I started off in um, advertising in the States, working with BBDO, and I was working as a copywriter. Um, I really enjoyed the job. Uh, I got promoted to creative director, and then I was working in San Francisco for five years as creative director. Um, and I think as a creative director, I was I got more involved with strategy. Uh, to help direct the, the other creatives. And I really got interested in it. And I met a Swedish woman and wound up, wound up moving to Sweden. Um, and there I worked as creative director in Stockholm at, um, uh, the Low Network with the Low Networks office in Stockholm. Uh, and then I really drilled into strategy. I really got involved, uh, particularly with international. I was in charge of all our international accounts as, uh, creative director and, and strategist. Um, in 2001, uh, after 10 years with Lowe, I decided I'd try this on my own and found a company called the Duffy Agency um, with offices in Sweden and in Boston uh, to really focus on helping international or aspiring international brands um, grow, uh, particularly with strategy and, and a lot of it uh, digitally driven. Okay, great. So, the interesting part of your story is your wife got you to relocate to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, uh, Swedish girls are known for that. I think you know they. They. I'm my. Actually, I we didn't end up getting married in the end. Uh, long story, but um, when we met, she was an au pair, and um, after a while, I think uh, a lot of the au pairs want to go back home. I didn't know that when I met her, but. Um, but I was I was in my twenties and uh, it seemed really exciting to go to Europe. Anyhow, we were madly in love, so yeah, it was. Uh, I'm still in. You know, I, my plan was to go for three years, and that turned into much longer commitment. <laughs> Almost forever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Now let's look at the, your work as a creative director and now as a brand strategist. To distinguish the differences between uh, the work you duty as a creative director for brands and now as a brand strategist. Yeah, I mean, as a creative director, I would typically inherit uh, the, the, the planning work, the strategy work from someone else, from a brand strategist or from the agency planner. And I would try to interpret it um, into communication uh, to my team and, and work with them to make sure that our communication, our creative, stayed faithful to the strategy that we were given. Um, uh, it's, it's, I almost look at it like imagine that you were a, a sculptor. 
and you were making sculptures out of out of marble. But you had an idea in your head of the kind of statues you wanted to create, but the marble that was being delivered to you wasn't quite good enough. It had flaws in it or cracks in it or crumble. And then one day you say, okay, well, I'm going to just go up in the hills and see if I can carve out some marble that's better. It, it, that was kind of my journey. As, as we started working on the communication, um, I sometimes felt the strategies weren't quite as nuanced as they could be or had as many insights. And that's really the key, insights as they could for us to do really powerful communication. So I got more interested in, in creating the strategies so that we could do better creative in the end. And that journey basically uh, got me really uh, deeply involved in, in strategies and, and particularly the gaining insights. Um, I mean, our, our company helps companies grow. That's, that's our, our primary focus. It's, it's, marketing is only a stepping stone to growth. But if we're going to growth, growth, the, the driver of growth is really strategy. And the driver of strategy is insights. And the only place, the best place to get insights is to, is to go out in the field and, and meet the person that you're trying to do business with, the target. Uh, and so that was my kind of backwards journey from creative up into strategy. If you could repeat that phrase for me, I'll love it. That the backbone of, of, of strategy is growth and growth at insight. Yeah, well, basically, I mean, a lot of businesses are really, they really want to grow, especially if you look at a, at a startup. I mean, startups are, are defined by the need for growth. Um, and if you ask them how they're going to do it, they often fall, fall back on innovation. They say, yeah, the innovation. You know, see, we're, we're so innovative, that's going to drive our growth. And our experience is that innovation doesn't drive growth at all. It's required for growth, for sure. Oh. Um, but it doesn't drive growth, nor does passion. Passion doesn't drive growth. Passion drives other things that are really important, but it doesn't drive growth, nor sales. Sales can actually, you know, you can be really good at sales and amass a lot of money inside the company, revenue. Uh, it doesn't mean you're maintaining a premium um, pricing stance so you, so you have good profits. It also doesn't mean that you're building brand equity so that your brand, the brand name itself, is actually becoming more valuable as, long, as well as your bank account. So for, for that kind of growth, for growth in the value of a company, the value of a brand specifically, it really comes down to strategy. And again, strategy, as we see it, uh, is based on an insight, hopefully an insight that your competitor hasn't arrived at yet. And the freshest, most direct, most reliable place to get insights is from the target market themselves directly. Oh, great. Now, let's delve deeper. What is the role or typical role of a brand strategy or you, Sean Duffy? What do you do for organizations and brands and the role of a brand strategy? That's the first part. And the second part is why is it necessary for brands or companies, corporations to employ their service of a brand strategist? So let's take the first part of the question. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the brand strategy is, I mean, every brand is faced with the same challenge. I think Michael Porter said um, that is becoming and remaining unique. And that is really, really hard for, for most brands. I mean, we always look at products that companies come out with in, in three levels. You've got, and the core is the core, the, the, the core functionality of whatever it is that you're, that you're selling. It could be a service or it could be a product. Um, if we look at like a cell phone, the, the core function of a cell phone is a to make telephone calls. Mm -hmm. um, and when, if you, we look at when cell phones first came out, that's what they sold on, the core functionality. Ericsson here in Sweden, um, they really talked about the great engineering of their telephones and how clear the signal was. 
And after a while, that's easily copied. And of course, in cell phones, a lot of players were soon jumping in uh, and making cell phones. Uh, the next layer out from that, as we see it, is value add. And those could be a number of things. It could be your pricing strategy. It could be your um, design. I mean, in the case of design, Nokia realized that, hey, the consumers really aren't concerned about will the phone work anymore. I mean, it, it's it's almost 2000. They, they understand the phones will work. What they really want is a, a phone that doesn't look so ugly because the phone is actually something that you you show a lot. Of. It, it reflects your own style. Um, and they actually focused on that and pretty much blew Nokia out of the water. I'm sorry, blew Ericsson out of the water by by realizing that the customers had moved on from the core functionality onto the value add. And, of course, around all that is the brand aura. And these aren't tangible things like, you know, does it make a phone call or is it designed well? These are um, associations that is that are really created through the brand strategy itself. Sure, it's very often that the brand strategy will always play a role, but it plays more, more role as the category matures. Uh, if you look at Coke and Pepsi, I mean, I think it's they're, they're pretty much all competing on mm-hmm. um, on their brand values at this point uh, of the game. So what we do is we we try to find ways to make that that brand uh, unique, and uh, I think relevance is uh, in addition to being unique, relevance is super hard to achieve. The market's always a moving target; it changes. So to remain relevant means you always have to keep your hand on the pulse of the market. And keep the brand updated with that. And then lastly, of course, value to make sure that you're always delivering value. And, and there's where innovation, I mean, innovation is really a, a driver of, of value. I think Apple's probably to date one of the best examples of someone who, um, is really, really good at, uh, kind of constant innovation to keep us, uh, interested in their products and their brand. Yeah. So I would, I would, I, I think our role is to, Basically, in one way, where we often serve as a bridge uh, between the customer and the senior management, mm-hmm. it's really easy, I think, for senior executives to to touch with the people they sell to. And mm-hmm. if we go out there, we can help them basically find the middle ground between the wants and needs of the customer, um, underserved areas of need, and then of course their their product, and try to try to bridge them. Okay, now let's look at for an emerging company or startups uh, who are struggling to gain grants in the area of even social media brands. Um, this particular moment, why would they need the role of a brand strategist? Why would they employ us, and why should they need us? I, I think I, I think the easiest thing is to uh, we use an analogy and say, okay, I mean, it could be argued, right, that the mm-hmm. that the executives inside the company and their marketing department, for sure, they know their product and their market um, better than, than we ever could from the outside. Uh, and that, that, that's probably true. Uh, but it's almost the same way that, for instance, a, a husband and a wife, the husband and the wife might know their marriage and themselves and their partner better than anyone else in the world. But if they were having marital problems, probably the least qualified or the, the last person you want to act as marriage counselor would be would be either one of them uh it's it, it's almost that they're too close to the issue to um to actually solve it and I, I think what we provide uh coming in is first and foremost is perspective um we do see things differently uh we're not mired in history and background and and we, we just we look at the market for what it is we look at the product for what it is um and i think we provide a lot of clarity um, 
to the clients in that in that respect. But I think perspective is is it's often it's not often talked about, but I think it's probably the most valuable aspect of the service that we deliver and why it really needs to be to be outsourced. I I can tell you myself, we have been for the last year in the process of repositioning our own company. And, you know, we're experts on this, and I've got a whole team of people who do nothing but this, but it has been uh, incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult, until we finally took our own advice, and halfway through, one of us said, well, wait a minute, we're we're too close. So we called up a um, a positioning expert that we really respect, uh, and we've been working with him, and, and it got so much easier. He states the obvious, and we we can recognize it right away, but it would have taken a lot longer for us to arrive at that ourselves if we did. So I can, as both a practitioner and a, a buyer of these services, highly recommend outsourcing this. Some, some things I say it's like you're too close for comfort because you're still in the same environment, you're close-minded, and like you stated, when you get a, a third eye or perspective into the whole thing it gives you help you shaping the process to position the brand properly with your own example sometimes or the, the marriage, marriage couple example they are too close they know all about it that could solve the problem but they are not able to to get it work right so they get a third eye to look into and give them a better perspective then they can then help solve their issues absolutely yeah Branding in general for in the, in in the era of social media, how different does it be? You know, how different is our, our brands or companies able to leverage it in this age using social to help position their brands? I I think it's um, social media, but the, the internet, the evolution of the internet in general has created uh, an opportunity for brands that is just it, it's. It, it's the biggest thing to happen to branding probably since broadcast media um, and, and, and marketing in general. Um, I think the if you look at the promise that the Internet holds, it, it it's always held the promise that, well, with the Internet, you basically have the opportunity. Any company and anywhere can actually market to billions of people. Um, I think for large Brands that has been realized, the Cokes of the world, the PepsiCo, McDonald, those kind of brands. I think they they have totally leveraged that. Um, I think for mid-sized companies, it's it's a different challenge. Um, they don't have the resources that a Coke or a Pepsi or a McDonald's has to to you know go into every market around the world. And I think for for mid-sized companies, and when I say mid-sized, I'm talking let's say annual revenue of between maybe 10 million and 100 million um, dollars a year. Um, for them, it's it's a it's a lot more of a challenge, and I think they often lack the bandwidth inside their marketing department to take the extra measures it takes to 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 ex- to take full advantage of the the opportunity that the internet offers. Um, as as we see it, there's two skills that will fuel growth for companies um, basically from here on out um, that are new. And, and the first is for mid-sized companies to become extremely proficient online, and that's social media, uh, which we call online networking, um, content marketing, uh, and of course, you know, e-commerce. The, those areas, and even if you're not on e-commerce, the other two are, are widely important, are really important. And the second is the skills that it requires to do cross-border marketing. I think as as categories get crowded and, and companies want to grow, uh, an obvious choice is to look at neighboring countries or even overseas. Uh, for growth. 
And it's more than a matter of just simply translating things into another language. Um, having worked in that area now since well, forever, 1991, um, I believe it is a separate discipline with, with separate expertise. And I think those two skills together, that will help mid-sized companies realize the promise that the Internet holds um, for um, getting their brand known and getting their brand understood global to a, a broader market through social media and, and the Internet. Great. Will there ever be any company like Coca-Cola in terms of reach, brand awareness, leverage, and the use of social media offline online activities? Will we ever have a Coca-Cola? Yeah, I think we already do. We have Google. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Google arguably is, is, I mean, the brand, I bet you, is consumed, if you will, more than Coke at a day, if that's that's a that's a, a mean feat, but yeah, I I, I think we'll see. Um, I mean, Alibaba coming out of uh, China now, mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's a, a lot of if we look at emerging markets like that. Um, uh, I I think there was a lot of talk in the states when China started to awaken. You could say that, um, yeah, China will become westernized. I think there's a much greater chance that the rest of the world is going to become easternized, if you will. Uh, and some of because some of those brands that are coming out of China now, I mean, there's a better chance that they'll they'll make inroads into the U.S. than maybe perhaps some of the big U.S. brands we're used to will make inroads into China. But anyhow, um, yeah, I, I I think we will see uh, a lot more. I think we'll see it. I think I think we're already seeing. I mean, if you look at in like you said in the in in the area of personal branding, mm. I mean, we've got individuals who will become globally famous overnight for well for for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Um, but I, I think the internet will allow more brands of the magnitude of Coke, at least the fame and the, the awareness level of Coke, uh, for sure, uh, to arise. And maybe even there'll be maybe even there'll be more of them than there have been in the past. We're looking at like the digital rising brands or emerging brands uh, taking over because of the use of social media. But on the other hand, too, don't you think, or haven't you seen that uh, existing traditional brands, let me put it so, have, have been swallowed by mass media, by use of social media, that we don't even hear about them again, or their brands are fading out because they are unable to utilize social media to help push their brands? Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the brands, I mean, if you... I think there are a lot of brands out there using today. It would be hard to find a, a major brand that is not on social media. But is it pushing their business? Is it helping their business? A lot of times, I I, I fail to see the strategy behind what they're doing online. I mean, mm. having a Facebook page is almost mandatory now for most consumer brands. Anyhow, um, you know, having your company on LinkedIn and, and maybe having an Instagram account—that's all great. But as we see it, if it's not directly tied back to growth of brand equity, and you can't measure how it's directly influencing uh, brand equity growth and I don't mean sales there's a lot of there's a lot of steps before a sale happens I mean you, you have to be make your brand get awareness and after awareness the target market has to basically uh, understand what it is you sell your category and of course after they understand what you sell then they have to find it interesting why is it better than the other options I have in that category and after you're done with that they have to trust you and once you get through that hurdle, maybe they'll try your product out. Maybe they'll actually spend the money to buy it. 
But then, of course, the beauty of the Internet is we don't have to stop the transaction there. I mean, in the old days, we had a thing called the sales funnel, and that basically spit you, took the consumer in at the top and spit him out after the sale. But now, since we have the Internet, we can keep a relationship easily going with that person. So we want to look at what happened after they, they tried the product, and there we want to have them believe in the product. Wow, it did exactly what it said. And then after that, we want them to have affinity with our brand and have them say, wow, this brand is into the same things I'm into. I, I really, I really, this brand represents what I'm all about. And after that, we want to foster loyalty. But we even want to go one step beyond that. And the internet allows us to do it. And that is to um, have them become advocates. And that is get them out there on the internet saying good things about us so that this cycle, they'll then increase our awareness more. And that's, we call that the brand equity cycle. And, and our whole mission is basically to, to run that and make sure all our online activities are contributing in some way to one of those nine points. Um, and I think a lot of brands, when we see them online, and we also, you can look at surveys of CMOs. I mean, one of the biggest issues for the last five years has been, yeah, we're online, but I, I really don't have a, a, have an encompassing strategy. There's little silos of efforts online, but there's not an encompassing strategy, and I don't see how this is tying directly back to our marketing uh, objectives. And I think that's really the, the, the next frontier for a lot of these companies who are online today is to start to build a, a strategic foundation under what they're doing to make sure that all the resources they have online are really working towards uh, brand equity growth. Mm-hmm. Even though, they, even though they, are, they will lose out from the system because with no strategy, it will just be existing as one of the social media channels, but without any strategy to help uh, get return back on their investment in any form. Exactly. They're just they're just being social, which is <laughs> which is uh, ironically not the point, at least in business, uh, not the end game for social media. Uh, then they're just being. Yeah, great. So now let, let's look at uh, especially you being a, a big example. You, if you share a name of a famous person, a celebrity, a politician. What do you do? Sean Duffy, a politician. Sean Duffy, the brand strategist. How do you manage that? Yeah, I've been living with that nightmare for several years now. Um, there's a, a, I'm from originally from Boston, and there is a politician today uh, who is also either from Boston or he was in Boston um, when he became famous, and his name is Sean Duffy. And he, he, I believe he began on MTV. I think he was in a, a reality TV program. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then when he was on, the internet was just starting out and I was getting a lot of, I, I first noticed him because I was getting a lot of email from young women who, um, found him attractive and thought I was him and wanted to meet. Uh, and then he became a politician and the, the, the emails from the young women stopped, but I, I noticed that my search, the ability to find my name online, Sean Duffy Boston, for instance, um, I was pushed back to the fourth page of Google uh, as, soon as, as soon as he started, the more famous he got. Uh, and, and yeah, that is a problem. Um, uh, luckily, I also have Sean Duffy Sweden, which helps me um, a lot. So if someone can't find me under that, they might try uh, Sean Duffy Sweden. Most people won't have two countries. They can fall back and forth between. I, I, I think one area that, that might help is becoming um, associated with certain keywords that the famous person is not associated with. Mm. Um, I, would, I would hope that if someone were to uh, Google Sean Duffy brand strategist, um, that the politician would not come up before me, I would hope. Right. Uh, 
And I think that's really helpful. And if you put it back, if you just look at the way that people search, oftentimes they will throw in a second word just to narrow things down, especially if it's a name. My name isn't so uncommon um, that someone you know, would probably feel the need to throw in a second word to narrow down the search results. And then it, it's, it's up to the person who's running their own personal brand, I guess, to um, try to shape what that word will be so that they, get, they can get found easier. So, I think one, exa uh, one example tool I have is uh, uh, David Scott. So, we have mm -hmm. David Merman Scott. Uh, so, mm -hmm. one as a PR strategist, PR expert, and one as a politician, he has to throw mm -hmm. in a, a middle name to get to distinguish himself from the other uh, David yeah. Scott or the other two uh, Scots, too. So, sometimes you, you said either a, a different search term to help you surface. Link to what you have, or maybe a different, yeah, additional name or something. It's that's great. a that's a great strategy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, the hard part is getting known. If people know you for the other name, the hard part is getting known for that. I there was an article recently. I can't remember. It was in Fortune or some magazine where they mentioned that if that a study showed that people who use their middle initial um, for some reason are more highly regarded by people than people who don't use a middle initial. You you, you automatically assume that there's smarter because they have a, a letter in the middle but you know so there's a double benefit if, but you you'd really have to um work pretty hard at getting people to to you know routinely pronounce your name with with your with your new addition i, I had a friend who had that problem he his name was his name was uh bill and he was mixed up with someone else so he changed his name to will so they're both they're both derivatives of william so it's, you can do either what you want but it was really hard for me, anyhow, to get used to starting to call him um, Will after I've been calling him Bill for 15 years. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a very clever strategy. I think that would work. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's difficult, and especially if you have the other party who's messed up his name or have a bad reputation for that name. Uh, the first that thing to, yeah. difficult to to really uh, get that out of the system. Exactly. Yes, that that would be horrible. Sean Duffy, uh, as we run up, give us your uh, three best practices or brand tips. Oh, geez, three is we 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 have a thing here, um, and I hope I can remember them all. Uh, we call smarts, okay. and that is what we basically look at when someone here is starting up a project. Um, we want to first of all make sure that there is a strategy behind what's being done. So there's a proper way to create a strategy and that's being done. We want to make sure um, that things are being measured and that there's measurement. So M for measurement. Um, if you can't measure it, you can't really manage it very well. Um, we also want to make sure that there's an accountable person for whatever this activity is. So it's not just like, well, it's the team. Um, there has to be a person, you know, where does the buck stop? So that someone feels the responsibility to really drive um, the the project, uh, we want our processes and activities we do to be repeatable, and and repeatable really means um, the ability to uh, document the process so that it can be played out uh, again, um, and it's not just being made up as you go along, basically. Um, and that's R. And then T is timeline. 
uh, activities or processes for brands that just float in space. Hey, we want to become number one or we want to achieve this objective. Unless you strap it down to a time and to say, by this date, um, we find that's a, a huge benefit to, to kind of drive action. And the last is we want, to, we want to make it scalable so that when growth does happen and the brand does start to grow, the processes don't have to be reinvented. They can scale with the business um, and you're not then caught in a, a vulnerable position. So SMART, S-M-A-R-T-S, that's for us, that's the, the kind of the, the code we live by on a, on a day-to-day basis. And, and the other is um, not to guess, to ask. Um, I think a lot of brand strategies are based on assumptions. I mean, any business plan, any decision you make or will be based on assumptions. And what we, we say is it's, it's better not to guess, um, about those assumptions, but to just go out and ask the target market and find out, you know, really what the, where the target's mindset is at and what options they have available uh, and what's going on in the market. Okay, great, Sean. Uh, where can one get in touch with you and all the services you have to offer? Um, they can reach us at uh, online, www.theduffyagency.com. Um, we can also be, I can also be re- reached at Sean, S-E-A-N, at theduffyagency.com by email. Okay, Sean. I always ask this to my guests that what will be your billion dollar advice to the world? My big advice to the world? Yeah. That, that, where, 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 do, where do we start with that? <laughs> uh, I mean, given, given the, the state of the world today, uh, I, I, I mean, myself, uh, personally, I, I think a lot of the advice to the world would be education. I mean, really focus on on education and I'm that I think for all of us it means two things it means we should always be learning ourselves and we should always be promoting uh, learning in other people those around us and sharing our knowledge so I think that would be a that'd be a great to make the world a little nicer I think okay great Sean Duffy thanks for this and yeah great I want to recommend my books on Amazon for you today visit amazon.com get access to all my 15 plus books today i recommend the latest book on personal branding that is rebrand the ultimate guide to personal branding get one today and grab a copy for someone else that is rebrand the best is yours